Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. This is the last episode from the Stories from September series Josh and I have been talking through. We're going to wrap it all up with the big lessons that we learned during the course of the season. Hey, Josh. What's up, Haxer? Oh, you know, life. Lots of stuff. Still <laughs> moving into the place. Still getting things done. But it's um, doing a lot of thinking about the season. It's been a fun fun time to prep for this episode. Oh, yeah. Totally. Just just talking through all the stories and, and everything. Getting to relive it. I just, ah, I can't believe September is so far away. Yeah, it's, a, it's a long time from now. But, hey, uh, this will be a great one because we get to talk through kind of the big things we learned. And I know we did a lot like the play by play with the other episodes, but I think this is more of like a summary. Like, Hey, these are the, the top three to five lessons we took from this season. Cause if we're not you know, doing that every season, we're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it'll be fun to just kind of step back. And for me too, it'll be fun to hear what you learned in your first one. Right. Cause it's just so different depending on the stage you're in and what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like accumulation, right? Like the whole, the, what I've known you for, wow, is it like a year and a half now, maybe a little longer? And there's a whole accumulation of all the mentorship, like in one season. And, and man, it, it was so hard for me when I was trying to think of like my top three lessons for this because I learned so yeah. many things. It's hard to verbalize, but um, yeah. Guys, well, I bet it'll be different now than right after the season or during the season too. But hey, you know, people got flavors of that in the, the recap. So hopefully, uh, this is just be more valuable. This is basically taking a whole month of your hunting season, two weeks of mine, distilling it down into a few things for guys to learn from. So it's a hell of a good episode to get a free elk season in quote unquote for guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, you want to go first? What was, uh, what was lesson number one? I think the first one I want to talk about is probably the one that was most frustrating for me, which is the lesson of drawing the bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Cause uh, you I, describe I got, it. Yeah. So I got the, this, my like best opportunity was when two gigantic bull elk came in and they were literally standing under 10 yards away from me. The first one was under 10 yards away from me. And I was just stuck frozen there. I heard him crashing through the woods and I, I, I knocked an arrow and I ranged. And then instead of drawing right away, I, I just ranged and I was like, all right, 20 yards. And then all of a sudden he appeared right there and I, I was just caught, you know, I couldn't move. And after he bolted a second one, just pulled up right behind him. And so like, and I was just stuck frozen again, having a staring contest, but looking back on it, as soon as I heard crashing coming through the woods, I should have known that like, Oh, that's actually close. Like I should just draw right now. Mm-hmm. And if I had done that, he would have stepped right in front of me and it would have been like the easiest shot in the world. Um, it would have been perfect, but I, yeah. I guess it was the first time I ever had that situation. So I can't beat myself up too bad because mm-hmm. I didn't know, but I guess over time that becomes instinctual, but yeah, haven't gotten to draw on an animal yet. Yeah. I think that's uh that's a really common one. And you know, uh, Margaret, my wife, she was her first elk season. She got within 20, 30 and 40 yards of a few elk and all those times never drew. So it's a pretty common mm-hmm. thing for a lot of guys their first time out. And I don't think they, uh, it's such a fine line, right? It's really difficult to decide 
you know, do I draw now or do I draw later? But uh, my basic take is if you know a distance or you know the elk's going to be somewhere where distance doesn't matter, like under 30 yards, just mm-hmm. draw. <laughs> because then you, you have something you can do. And I think that's really foreign. Stuff goes so fast and it's so surprising, especially when you're new, that it's just really hard to get in that mentality. So I don't think you should be too hard on yourself. It's pretty, pretty normal. Yeah, and I think maybe a lesson for guys that are used to spot and stock hunting, like I guess, cause I had come off a, a week of mule deer hunting spot and stock style, you know, real slow. You see them a long ways out, you know, where they are, you're getting close to them. And so that's what I was expecting to do coming into the elk country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was my first day into the elk country back from that trip. And I heard those bugles from far away. So I was like, okay, maybe I head that way. And then just all of a sudden crashing through the woods, it's like brain couldn't register. But yeah, yeah. if I, the amount of times I've played that in my head. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now it's a hard one. Cause as we talked about from all that YouTube research, right? The number one reason people miss elk is they don't know the range. So you kind of have to know, you know, should I range this or should I draw? Right. Those are, that's yeah. the decision you've always got. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a difficult, it's a difficult one, but again, this, this all boils, everything ties together. Right. And this boils back to why boils down. I say boils back boils down to, uh, like your equipment too, you know, if you've got a draw, uh, poundage, that's just way too heavy for you. You're not going to feel comfortable letting down and mm-hmm. or you're not going to feel very comfortable drawing unless you're hundred percent sure. And so a little thing like that can ruin your hunting. If guys don't even realize that's what made them not get an elk because they had too heavy of a draw weight. So, yeah. you know, it just all ties together. It's uh, it's important stuff. Every little detail. Yeah, it's a good point. All the advantages, like they just keep stacking and stacking and stacking, I guess. Yeah, no. So I think a, I think it's a good one too in the off season. Maybe this next year for you to practice a lot is drawing and letting down. Oh, uh, just so that you're you're like very comfortable and used to it, right? In that way, I think. Yeah, you know, that's probably if I'm like thinking of one way that could you could practice something that would make you more likely to to draw and be in a better spot. It'd probably be that, just so that you're comfortable to say, okay not quite because if you can let down quietly and easily and then range you know if you hear something you can rip it back and if it comes in at 40 50 you're going to have time to let down pick up your range finder range it reclip draw again yeah uh, versus you know if it pops out at 20 you're already drawn anyway so just shoot right yeah that's actually something i didn't practice enough of is letting down like i, I definitely can't say it. i don't give myself a great score like a like an a plus i'm like comfortable ability and like just letting down real slow and quiet um, i like that so comfortability yeah. that's good we're we is got good word, grammar is tonight good, is that a good word is that a word <laughs> comfortability level we're off to a good start guys both of us <laughs> well, key takeaway josh's comfortability levels uh, <laughs> working on that this year that's pretty good uh-huh. well maybe uh maybe i'll do my first one here and i i think this one was like really foreign to me, because I already thought I was on the bleeding edge of this, but I think I could have gone even further this year. And that was taking very short backpacking trips. Um, so guys already, I think when they think backpacking, they think, you know, five to nine day, you know, five to seven day epic thing way back in the middle of nowhere. And I kind of already been preaching the like, you know, two to three night, keep it short. You know, why would you go longer than that? food weight adds up, you're too far to pack an elk out, all these things, right? But mm-hmm. you know, this year with the baby, I was kind of forced to do shorter trips to come back around and see him and um, 
and the lady. So it, it actually was phenomenal. Like I really don't think I'll ever take more longer backpacking trips than two nights mm. and probably a lot of one night trips. I did a ton on one night trips this time and it's, uh, it was really great. Uh, and granted I always had two or three days of food just in case, you know, I found elk and I wanted to move with them or do stuff. But yeah, I think the thing about backpacking, as we talked about in a lot of other episodes, is it's not to get away from people. It's just to be able to be lazy, to wake up where the elk are, go to bed where the elk are. So you don't have to hike in, make a ton of noise, blow elk out, horrible times. So for me, it's literally just you know zip right up to where they are, plunk it down, and you're there that evening and the next morning. You know, if there's another area you want to go hit, hit it one more night and get out of there. But I just can't think of really that many places. I really can't think of any places I hunt where there's more than two days of elk hunting unless you're onto a bunch of elk that are, that don't move. Interesting. Does that makes so, sense. Be- yeah. Before the season, would you often do two, three, even four nighters? You know, we did on average, I'd say two to three nighters. And I think the three night one, you're kind of pushing it. You're just like, well, I'm already out here. I'll just keep staying. I'll go back to that other area or I'll double check this. But I think I've just learned the smash and grab style of like go into a new area. And this is tied to another one of mine, but I don't want to jump ahead. If just like staying, staying mobile and moving a lot is, is great. Cause you're, you know, those first encounters I think are the best. And when you're in an area, I just don't think it's worth uh, spending too much time there. So those were phenomenal. And the the thing about those one or two night trips, let me get geeky on the gear side because that's my thing, right? But you don't have to take a lot of food and food is one of the heaviest things. So that's really nice. But you can take different types of food, right? You can take things that need to be refrigerated. You can take cheese. You can take meat. You can take stuff out of the fridge. Like, so you don't have to, buy all this super expensive, you know, backpacking food. It's food you like that's tasty. Um, you know, it's just a lot easier to pack. Everything about it makes it a little faster, a little easier. So mm-hmm. I was a huge fan of that. So I think that's yeah. going to be my strategy for uh, from now on. It's just like move in and out, do one to two night trips, and you keep bouncing around areas. Even if their area is all within five or 10 miles, just kind of keep transferring areas instead of spending two or three nights kind of slowly plotting through one. Right. And also I, I would guess another benefit of that is the energy levels that you have. I just yep. remember because after my two nighter, I went immediately and joined you. Uh, and then we went for another, a few nights. And I remember there was that one day where I was just beat. I'm just mm-hmm. ener- energy wise. I, I was just, yeah, I was just really drained mentally uh, and physically. So yeah, maybe it's about like, instead of having that third day where you're at a 50% of yourself, take a little bit of time off and then go back in for short sprints of being at a hundred percent of yourself. Yeah, I think that's it. And that's, uh, you know, that was one of my later other lessons we'll talk about, but pacing is really important. But I mean, I think it's sum it up this way too. Like you're not, the reason most guys would do multiple day trips is to get further in. And let's be very real. You're not going to cover, unless you have a packer, big if, uh, as we learned, those don't really work out. Unless you have a packer, there's nowhere in our country you can't get to within two to three hours, right? Because two to three hours of hard effort, even going up one or 2,000 feet is going to put you four or five miles in, 
right? Four hours. I say two to four hours. Yeah. Uh, and so that's not a type of effort that you should, you need to stay somewhere for more than a few days. And so right. don't, don't just plan on going straight to the back or going further than that. If you, if you're not finding elk halfway into that effort already, they're not going to, you're not going to magically find them another two hours in. Like you're just, right. uh, elk, elk aren't like in these little pockets way back in the middle of nowhere. They're just in pockets where there's no humans that have been there. So, uh, you know, don't draw straight lines thinking the further you go down the line. If, they, if you get halfway <laughs> down it and it's not looking good, it's not going to magically get better five or six miles in. Dang, that's a good lesson. So let's see. Um, yeah, maybe I'll go two. with my, my next one. My next one is going to be uh, the day-to-day stuff. I think like prior to being in L country and actually spending days there and like trying, like learning what to do with, I I think it's like time management is what it came down to Mm -hmm. Um, is like where to put yourself at what times of the day for the highest probability. Because um, I made the mistake of like napping during times I shouldn't be napping, you know, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, or like chasing them like way too far behind them instead of like getting in front of them and Mm -hmm. like, being where they want to go, uh, just being behind the awesome sometimes. Um, so that was a, a big lesson I learned watching you actually, and just following you. Uh, yeah. Where, where you set up camp, uh, where, where you, what time of the day you go with glass. Um, but maybe it'd be helpful for like all the newbies out there to walk through like your strategy of like a day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would, I would frame it another way, which is since this is yours, like walk me through, I mean, I can help a bit and talk it out, but love to walk through the day and where you'd ideally want to be. Um, you know, I think starting, we can probably both agree that you'd rather be up a little higher or, you know, back in the spot where the elk are waking up backpacking. I think we're both on that page, but mm-hmm. yeah, like talk me through what you learned, like time of day and stuff. Yeah. So let's see the elk are at night, they're down at night and they're feeding, right. And they're going to come up to bed. So I, I think being up high, like you said, is really good to start the day. And also you can glass and maybe catch their movement. Um, coming up. I, I do remember also us getting up before the sunrise, like still while it's dark. Mm-hmm. So you can, if you happen to hear them, then like game on the days you're great right there. So there were some mornings where I didn't get up early enough cause it was just so cold, but I really regret that. Yeah. Um, so that's the day. I think then, spot on though, like the morning, that morning bit, you know, we talked a lot about hunting high before, you know, before the season started in one of those episodes, but mm-hmm. I just, I think the biggest mistake guys can make in elk hunting is only hunting morning and mornings and evenings and spending the entire morning chasing elk uphill. Right. Right. Like right. that's, if you're not high already with backpacking, you've got such a barrier to go and like strategically positioning wise, if you are below the elk, yeah, that's bad. That's really mm-hmm. bad because chasing them uphill, you can never get around them. You're never going to beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you end up doing what we had to do to get my elk, which is this bloody death march <laughs> <laughs> that barely works out. And if it does work out, it's crazy. Um, so no, I think that's, yeah. I think that's really great learnings for you in the morning. It's like you know, start somewhere where you're at least on the level, like midway up the mountain. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then if I remember correctly, the dead zone comes kind of after that, right? Like when they first bed, and then they're not going to move for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think the dead zone. Uh, I thought the dead zone came later. Like, so sometimes I would nap, like w- w- what hours of the day would you say is like the 
slowest time like did i think you mentioned 10 to 12 yeah i really think it's early that's like 10 to 10 to 12 really 10 to 21 you know it's i think most guys say the afternoon oh the afternoon but Mm -hmm. the problem with that 10 a.m time frame is that unless you're following elk already like you said they bed down they get pretty non-vocal and they don't really have any reason to do anything i think midday they actually get up i've seen them so much they get up and feed and they go to water they do stuff and Mm-hmm. you can actually make the best plays on elk in the middle of the day we've talked about this i love hunting the middle of the day but yeah i think if there was one a time to like truly take a break it's like 10 to 12 yeah um, that's a yeah that's probably the deadest time of the day but i mean you can never count on it but i like right. to right. get somewhere i think there's good odds of elk coming by whether that's where i camped or you know, somewhere that's decently close and then i can just take a nap there or hang out if i want mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that was a big, big lesson too, is like, oh, if I'm going to take a nap or if, if I'm going to take a break, that's the time to do it. Um, yeah. And then, um, I remember like we kind of took a break and then we were checking out a lot of wallows and stuff during maybe like starting from 12. Yeah. One. I remember something correctly. Like that, yeah. yeah. 12, one day ish. Yeah. Checking wallows, looking for sign. Uh, and then we started glassing pretty early. Cause like you mentioned, they, they start milling around and that was pretty surprising to me too because uh, I, I just like intuitively I wouldn't have thought about glassing that starting to glass that early uh, yeah. but especially if you, if you like you knew the area really well so yep. yeah what's well, it guys are gonna like have a knee-jerk reaction to that and let me be totally straightforward if you're like I want to see the most elk and understand where the elk are yeah absolutely glassing right at darkness is the best time if you actually want a chance of killing an elk that day, though, that's the worst freaking time to be glassing <laughs> because when they come out, it's too late to get to them. Mm. I think that's another thing a lot of guys, you know, have seen, especially with newbies, my wife, other guys, is they'll be glassing. They'll be like, oh, I saw so many elk last night, right? I think you had that happen early on. You're, I saw them, but I couldn't get to them. Right. Right. And so either you know, either glassing them up in the afternoon or knowing where they were from the morning and being there. Um, but I do think guys underrate the ability to glass elk kind of midday, early afternoon, because even if they're bedded somewhere, and this is where the tripod comes in, you have to have a dead still image. Uh, mm-hmm. But even if they're bedded somewhere, they're going to get up and mill around, munch some grass, relocate. And so you can pick them off. You can find them if you know what you're looking for. They're not hard to see. And then when you, when you do that, then you're like, okay, now I got to make a plan. And you'll be there when, they, when everyone else is finding them for the first time, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the evening, like it, I guess it depends on if you located them or not, but if you didn't locate them, do you try to like move as the wind is transitioning so you can get to where they want to be, uh, almost around the same time they're getting there? Yeah. You know, I'm pretty conservative in the evening. Cause I don't, I don't love shooting elk in the evening, especially if I'm solo. Cause I mean, it's an all night pack and all night, yeah. uh, butchering, which, you know, in Idaho with, the amount of wolves that are in that area um, that I was, and then some other other areas in Colorado um, that have mountain lions. There's just areas I don't love being alone, butchering an elk at one in the morning. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but so I'm not crazy about that. But if it's so, I'll only make moves if I think there's uh, if there's something I already know. Right. Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to try to store it up and just bank stuff for the next morning because they're not going to really move that far. You know, if you see them, find them going down to somewhere at night, they're going to be generally in that area. So 
But I do think the one learning for me over time is that always make the play. You know, very often, like we're talking about, if you do only find them 45 minutes before sunset, you're like, ah, is it worth it? And you don't want to do it. You'll regret that every day of the week mm-hmm. <laughs> for <Yeah>. the next year. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always worth just going for it and hiking back in the dark. But yeah, yeah. But the evening, yeah, the evening I'm trying to get to where I think they're going to go. or I'm trying to already know where they are. I'm not trying to find them and go for them. That's usually a low odds thing. Right, right. It's difficult to make that fast of a move. Yeah, so I guess it's if you located them already, then it's going after them, making a play, seeing if you can get one on the ground. But if you haven't located them already, maybe it's about like uh, locating them and even if it's at last light and then setting up a strategy for the next morning. Yeah, yeah, because it's if I'm in an area, I'm pretty confident. Like we talked about them either. We've either seen sign or I'm out of there. So I'm pretty confident there's elk there. So I'm not just running around willy nilly trying to screw them up. You know, it's yeah. Hey, wait for it. I know there's elk within a mile of me. So figure out where they are. So tomorrow morning I can be right on them. Yeah. And that happened to us when we saw the, that big one bugling mm-hmm. pretty late at night or yep. it started and pretty late. It was kind of far. We had to go through crazy stuff to get there. So we decided to wait on it for the next morning. And the yep. next morning they were right there. Right there. Yeah. We did that yeah. exact thing, walked right on them and you know, we'd already had it ready. We had the strategy good to go. We picked our lines where we were going to hike. I mean, we had everything figured out and honestly that one, that one should have worked. We just, I went right when he went left. If I'd gone left, it would have been, that probably would have been game over. Yeah. And there were also two shot opportunities at two cows. So yeah, yeah. for me, that would have been game over. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, maybe I do my number two, which goes with this pretty closely, but it's just keep moving, like moving locations. I think you know, I've always preached this one. Preach sounds pretty intense, but I've always like talked about this in our like series here. And like, it's something I learned, but I don't think it, like it really sunk home this year because this was an area I've always had luck. And I do think that a lot of guys don't, don't believe this, but there are areas that just always hold elk. Mm-hmm. And one of the, as you saw the area I hunt is one of them that just always has elk around. And uh, it was really, really hard for me mentally to get over the fact they weren't there. But I think if you, you know, the, the mark we determined was like if 24 hours, if you don't see fresh sign, get out of there. Right. Yep. And that, that's what got me my bull this year. Remember that? We were just sitting there going, mm-hmm. man, I can't believe it. You saw me just agonizing over it. I'm like, I can't believe this. <laughs> we found that one bull that we almost got when we were just talking about. But I'm le- I was legitimately convinced that was the only huntable elk in that area. Um, and so the ability to just up and move, I think, is really, really important. And mm-hmm. when guys think up and move, I think they think... 30, 40, 50 miles, 10 miles. I'm talking even four miles over is enough. But uh, like we glossed up that group at three or four miles, however far that was, and went right over there and it worked out great. They were all there. Everything. I mean, there were what, probably 50 elk in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just having the confidence to pull the plug, that was just such a, I don't know, That's that lesson's been hammered into me every year. And I think it goes with that one day backpacking strategy of having, doing a lot of these short trips where you have these spots that you know, and you know, they're pretty good, or you know, the right areas to go for glassing and camping. And I think that just gives you more confidence to say, I'm not seeing stuff in this area. I'll move, I'll come back, you know, even 
not tomorrow night, but the night after I'll do one night over here and I'll come back and do another night here. Uh, I think that's what makes you successful. Like that's really one of the big things. Yeah. Um, flexibility. I, I got super lucky to get to hunt so many different areas um, this year, partly mm-hmm. because of the people that kind of like took me on, under the wing um, and like got to check out different areas. But yeah, each area is like an entirely own like micro mm-hmm. whole like ecosystem thing. Like there's all these little whole new pockets. It's just a whole new uh, area of opportunities. And it's in a place where that hasn't been like stunk up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of like you living in there. <laughs> well, I think, you know, with that, and I talked a little bit about it in the first one with these short trips, but mm-hmm. there is nothing a human being can do to minimize your impact, like completely, or sorry, that sounded wrong. There's nothing you can do to completely eliminate your impact. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, you're always spooking them a little bit. You're always leaving scent. You're always pushing around. As we talked about, the number one thing in all of elk hunting is where the humans, because they'll will be somewhere else, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so what follows is that it's always the, the first time you're in an area that's the best mm-hmm. bar none. Right. Um, I don't think I've, I've ever had a trip where I've stayed in the same area and it got better the second day. Yeah. They might still <laughs> come back and they might be there, but, um, I think that those, those first chances you, you only get them so often, but the hardest part about that is that a lot of guys don't want to move cause they don't know that they've got, got good odds somewhere else. That's a complete roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. So I think combined with the e-scouting where you've done a lot of work to find a ton of these little good spots and just the experience of staying in one general area to get to know it. Uh, because every year, you know, every year I've been in the area we were in this year, I try to go to one or two new mini valleys or spots. And, you know, a lot of them, I'm like, I'm not coming back here, but like where I shot my bull this year, you bet that's on my rotation now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think just that constant moving and constant, you going until you find the elk because there's no question. As you saw, there's like zero question in your mind when you found them. It's not like, I wonder if there's mm-hmm. elk here. You're like, Oh, hot darn. There's sign everywhere and you hear them, you yep. see them. They're, they're not subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually reflecting back on it now, every time I've, I had an encounter, like I guess an encounter, anytime I got to within a hundred yards of elk, it was on the first day that I was in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Probably every single time that whole month now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, that's, that's, I'm thinking about my first three days, same thing. Boom, boom, boom. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it really can't be underrated. And that's why I think a lot of guys in big game hunting are pretty finicky about their spots and really anti-competition is because legitimately if we got one guy goes into an area, he burns, you know, the majority of the good chances in that area for, you know, weeks. Right. Work. Yeah. At least a few days. So, uh, finding pockets no one else wants to go to or thinks to go to, even if they're only half a mile from the road is really, that's one of the, the key success factors in elk hunting in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, that kind of plays into my last le- big lesson, um, is actually, I wrote down fresh sign or move, mm-hmm. but I guess the big part for me being a first time hunter was how to read fresh sign. Like, yeah. remember that one picture I showed you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, is this fresh? I was like, yeah, there was probably an elk within a hundred yards of you right there. Yeah. Cause I, <laughs> I remember you telling me if it's greenish, then it's like, that's like the highest level of fresh poop like there. That's really fresh. 
And I showed, I took a pic. I found some that was green and like still like shiny. And I was like, steam. Ooh, that's basically, yeah. Yeah. I didn't see the steam, but I was like, Ooh, that's fresh. And I took a picture of it. And then I, you know, I was on my way out. So I just left. And then uh, when I met up with you later, I was like, Oh, Baxter, I found my freshest sign. And dude, you said that thing was like within what, 30 minutes, maybe. Yeah. It had to have been within 15, 30 minutes. Cause the area yeah. we're in is so dry that it would not look that way. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. And so the lesson for me was, oh, wow, if it was 15, 30 minutes from there, like, what should I do? And you said, don't move, just stay there and listen and look because they're there. They're like right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So that was, that was a good lesson for me, like how to read fresh sign actually. Yeah. Feel. And that's one that I've learned from chucker hunting, right? Without a dog, right? I don't have the ability to have a dog find them. And the, the only way for me to know the key thing with that is to know the birds are there before they flush because then you're a little more prepared after. Otherwise, you're just kind of hiking for three hours and all of a sudden something jumps out of a bush going 30 miles an hour. It's pretty hard to, <laughs> to, to shoot that well, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I learned that from, from chucker hunting and you have to look at how fresh this, this uh, poop looks, the tracks, all that stuff. And I'd say this year and the past four years, I'd say over, well over 50% of my close encounters are because I looked down and saw a track or, or poop and was like, that's within 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And so I got way slower. We talked about this. You can't move that slow or you'd never cover ground. I got way slower than I was going, way quieter. You know, it started moving and then there was an opportunity. So it's that ability to read if you're hunting when there's no vocalizing elk, uh, I mean, that's how I've killed, what, two or three out of the four elk I've killed is all because of that strategy. Wow. So it's, yeah, reading that sign and being able to like look at it and go, oh man, there's something close by. It's mm -hmm. just, a, that's a enormous advantage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know, one thing I, I, I could, I got a lot better at telling fresh tracks, uh, especially with the sharp edges and like that little middle edge line between mm -hmm. um, their hooves or whatever. Uh, or like their toes. I, I don't know what to call it, but uh, so <laughs> that was a good trick. One thing I, I couldn't figure out was how to like, I never saw a very fresh rub. I know you showed mm -hmm. me the knife trick where you cut away a little bit of it and then you compare like mm -hmm. that, that color with the rest of the rub, yeah. but I didn't get a chance to see fresh rub, but now I f for sure got way better at reading fresh tracks and, and poop. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone could really read a rub to the point where they say that's within hours. Yeah, I could say days. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest one, another big one too, with wallows is the mud and the tracks oh, around it. Right. How fresh that is. That's another good one. Yeah, the the mud, like if it's still wet around there, it's not like if it if it got splashed out and the mud's like super dry already. Maybe it's not super fresh. But yeah, that was another one too. Yeah, um, but no, those are big. Those are huge things because it's other than you know, as a hunter, you have to rely on something to tell you the elk is there because you have to know before that the elk knows you could never, once they pegged you, it's too late. And as you saw, you know, it's either sight or sound, mm -hmm. right? And sight, a huge portion of sight is the sign they leave behind, not, not just seeing them. So it's, yeah, it's big. Yeah. It's yeah, a good lesson. Awesome. It's, it's hard to learn. I mean, I think looking at pictures helps. Um, and like, you telling me like, Oh, green, you know, or, or like certain things, but getting to actually like go out there and see it, mm -hmm. man, that gives me a lot of confidence for next year. 
Yeah, I think that of all the things we've talked about that you just can't transfer that knowledge, that's probably the the number one. It's so difficult mm. to describe that on a podcast or even a video. I mean, even a video of it just doesn't give you the same depth as if you're right there in person. Right. Uh, but I think for you, and you kind of got to see that once or twice, but I think one of the biggest things for new guys is when you see elk, you know, if you're hunting bulls and you're not shooting cows or you saw elk, in an area and you run over there and they're gone, go look at their tracks, go look at their poop. That's all I've done. Every time I see an elk, I walk right over there and look at it because you, that's the one time you know exactly how long ago elk were there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can start to stop, watch, look at your clock, whatever it is. And that's why I'm so confident in saying, Hey, these, this is 15 minutes ago. That's 30 minutes ago is because so many times you know, like that one time, two or three, four or five times when we were together, we saw cows, you know, or the spike walk by. Um, I don't think we did it every time. You can walk right over there and look at their tracks and scat and go, okay, that was five minutes old. So what does that look like? Right. Um, so do I think that's a really great way to learn and something I definitely would encourage you to keep doing. And for guys that didn't see a lot of elk this year or whatever, you can you can easily just go to like a wildlife refuge or a, a Jackson Hole where they all winter. You can go, you know, go to Yellowstone for crying out loud. <laughs> like they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, just go walk yeah. over where some live elk are and you can, you can see not, not too difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. What's your uh, last, last big lesson. And it's also, I just want to say, it's pretty cool that, that, um, even after all these years of elk hunting that you're still continuing to take like big takeaways that are actually going to have like big impacts about on your strategy for next year. Oh yeah. No, that's what I love about it. I mean, that's, I think that's fundamentally what I love about elk hunting and a lot of these sports, fly fishing, chucker hunting is that there's no book, you know, you can't, <laughs> uh, trust me, I've read every single book I can find. There's no, this stuff is always a challenge. It's, it's so dynamic and it's so changing that you'll never stop learning, right? There's just no, no one knows for sure. No one, this would be like me saying, I know my wife, right? <laughs> Like the guy that says that you look at him and like, yeah, you do. Um, you know, it's the same thing with all these hunting sports. You just, you're never going to know no matter how hard you try. And I think that's, that's part of the fun of it. I mean, certain times it drives you nuts, but it's part of the fun of it. (laughs) Yeah. Like that going, doing, shortening your trips. Like that is a huge change in strategy moving forward that, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's like each season in the matter of days, like Mm-hmm. learned so much and it wasn't i mean like that one a lot of these lessons too aren't instantaneous and they're not you don't see tangible progress you're not sitting there going oh i'm figuring this out you just kind of dawns on you you know i'd started out doing long trips four-day trips next year three-day trips next year two or three-day trips this you know year after that you know now i'm doing one-day trips. so i've kind of progressed and i've just been kind of pushing the limit further and further each time and going you know does that help does that not and right. I think there's a lot of other things I've tried that with that I've gone off the edge and been like, okay, that's too much of that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's equipment or whether it's styles or whatever it is. But I think unless you push the limits and unless you, excuse me, are like tangibly experimenting when you're out there, you're not learning, right? And like, mm-hmm. that's, that's how you learn. It's like, you just literally go, go push it until you screw up or it's too much. Uh, which ties in really, really well with my last two big learnings. I think I had four here. Maybe I'll do the last one first, which was pacing. <laughs> it is officially possible to push too hard. <laughs> I figured that out this year. We talked about that pretty intense uh, experience. And 
I mean, that one aside, like that's kind of a wake up call for me. That's the first time I've ever just like had a full on collapse or anything that bad. Um, so that's probably a part of getting quote unquote, a little older, even though I'm only in my thirties. <laughs> um, but, but I do think like, this is something I'd realized beforehand is there were years I was in insanely good shape. There were years I was in pretty bad shape, uh, just based off of life and what was going on. And I think that for guys that are new, like being very honest with yourself and like truly pacing yourself is a huge, huge thing. So I've had the years that I wasn't in shape. I've actually had more success than one of the years I was in phenomenal shape. And that was because I just knew it. And I was able to hold myself back, go super slow, pace it, go at the speed, which fit my level of fitness and knowledge. And I think it's, it's really possible to go screw up an entire week of elk hunting by going out too hard in the first day. Wow. Yeah. Easy. Very easy. Go do a four, four or five hour hike straight out of the car. Um, and then wake up the next morning super early and do it again. Your body, I don't think you ever recover from that because you don't sleep well. You know, you saw it, right? You don't sleep more than six, seven hours and you're tossing and turning and backpacking, no matter what you do is never comfy. Mm -hmm. So if you dig that hole, you know, right off the bat, you're not going to get out of it versus if you had the fitness to back it up, that's no big deal. You're not digging a hole. You're just doing what you normally do. But if you're right you know, if you don't have the fitness there, it's just bad. So I learned that the hard way this year. Like I went out way too hard. And fortunately I had more time this year to recover from that. But if I hadn't, I don't think I would have gotten elk because I would, I was so torched that I would have burned those two or three days kind of trying to recover and then not had much time. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting that like, I, it, it, when you told me that story, like when we first met up and you're like, Oh yeah, right here the other day, I was like pushing super hard and I almost fainted. And like, it was like a pretty intense moment. Cause you couldn't go down. You had to just keep going up. Yeah. Like, and yeah. Do you feel like every season there's that one moment that's just like that? I guess another way to put the question, do you feel like every season there is that like one super challenging half day or like few hours where it's just a super low point or oh, you think couldn't, be couldn't have it teed it up better for me josh the last one <laughs> the last one was don't give up <laughs> and this sounds so oh. corny and so cheesy but it's one of those things that it's it is so corny and cheesy but it's so true like i think every year there is a moment or two when it's really difficult and i think you actually have to almost make it like a job where you're like you just need to do it like it's not the way not enjoyable you're not having fun this isn't as rosy as it sounded when you were talking about it beforehand but you just need to do it um i don't think that example is actually a good one of that i think i genuinely had red line and i needed to get out of there like don't push through that don't like you that's bad get out mm -hmm. um but i do think there's a lot of times you've probably been there where it's like day three or four you haven't seen something or you're super tired from a few nights in a row and like, oh, I just don't want to hike up there. I just don't want to go do that. I don't want to do this. Oh, they're all quiet. There's no elk in the area, whatever your excuse is. Um, mm -hmm. But I think you just have to tell yourself, no, I promised myself I'd go do this every night. Because so many times, so many times when you think it's all like that night that I was like, there's zero elk in this area. Why are we even here? I could have, we could have just packed it out. But I was like, I'll just do one night to do my due diligence. And that was the night that elk came in bugling remember that that's right that's right and so i think getting that mindset of just like no matter what i'm gonna do this this and this and like that is it um is huge and 
I think the story with that elk this year where it was like, we went a little too far, didn't have food. There, there were like three or four times I was literally like, I can't do this anymore. I'm beat. I'm going to have another one of those episodes where I pass out. I'm, I can't do it. And I was like, you, like, you got to go. Like, you just, you have to. You told, like, think about yourself in three weeks looking back at this. You have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so, so glad I pushed past that two or three times because that's what got that bull. So, yeah. Um, I remember you distinctly saying there's that. I mean, we went through the story in the previous episode, but you had, you had to tell yourself, like, no, like, just keep pushing. And you did. And then that happened like right after. Yeah. And I think it's hard for guys to understand that listening in a truck or a home or out on a run or whatever you're doing right now. It's pretty cozy. It's pretty nice. And to understand, Hey, what in the hell is this guy saying? He's near elk. Like he's dramatizing this. Of course he wants to go. It's like, no man, like (laughs) (laughs) after pushing hard for a week, low odds, not seeing many elk, super tired baby screaming like i was just like i don't i'm not even having fun i don't want to do this you know like and i've just chased three elk up a mountain they all went silent and didn't get them like what's going to be different about this one like it's yep. really hard to motivate in that moment and so i think yeah. just, just doing it being like just check the box because that's i think that was one of the things we talked about that was mentally what i did is i was I thought, you know what? Like, you're always going to regret it if you don't go at least try it. And yeah, you go over there and he runs off. You knew you tried it. You're happy you're gone. Um, yep. I think that for me is how I motivate. I'm always like, at least I'll check the box so that I know I, I can't look back and have a regret. And that, that mindset, even last weekend, I was trucker hunting. And I was out snowing 12 inches. Um, you know, I went out, I forgot my rain jacket. I got soaked to the bone three or four hours in. I'm like starting to get, can't feel my fingers, like having trouble walking, kind of, you know, sliding and stepping. And I'm like, I'm not in a good state. I'm very, very cold. It's, you know, 20 degrees out here with blowing wind. Um, but yet the, it's like slurry sleet. Anyway, long story short, I'm like, I, this is not great. And I distinctly remember seeing a group fly over the ridge. And I said, oh, you just have to go check the box. And I ended up getting two or three. and was like super excited. And like, that's, I don't know. I've just seen the, that so many times in the outdoors. And I hope I'm not beating some cliche to death. But I think that's really, a, that was probably the biggest lesson I learned this year. Is like, just don't give up. Dang, that is a awesome, awesome last one to end it on. Uh, I wonder, I just wonder how many elk people could have gotten if they, because I mean, like how many they would have, they missed because they even given up in a small way, you know, like the small little times they go back a little early or they decide not to go over that one next ridge and all those times add up. There's probably plenty of elk out there that well, I, I know I've missed. I can think of at least three or four examples where <laughs> nights where I was, oh, I'm not going to, oh, it's just too much to go over there. You know, and then I looked over and he was in a perfect position for a shot and the wind was great. And, you know, and I was like already kicking myself. And those are the ones I know about. I've got to think for every one of those, there's at least two or three where I subconsciously is like, I don't want to do that. And then, you know, it's just, uh, it's really difficult to get outside yourself. So I think it's a, it's a great mentality, whether it's in life or elk hunting, just to be able to say, nope. Like you, your, your cold mind, <laughs> your cold mind in a warm, happy place made a decision about this before you came, <laughs> like, go do it. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you won't regret that later. You'll never regret that later. Boom. Boom. Couldn't think of a better way to end it. Uh, don't give up folks. 
We yeah. are well, how many months away? Ah, uh, I can't, I can't count. I'm ten. Not, it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Nine or ten. Yeah, but Nine or elk, ten. Uh, elk season starts now. I mean, that's what I think we said that when you drove away. I said twenty twenty one elk season started started yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah, dude! I've been running every day. I'm like, I'm like next year. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, that's where this, we're going to transition out of this series. It's a really cool way to end it, but we're, we're going right back into it with just as much excitement because there's, I think we've figured out a lot of things we each want to get better at and upgrade mm. uh, this year. And so we've got great people to go talk to those about, you know, get, get right back into it. And for a lot of guys, I mean, if you're buying an over the counter tag or even applying December, January is already when that deadline is, that's, few weeks or by the time this goes out that might be like a week out so that's true it's literally starting again so yeah uh, it's time to commit time to commit but uh i think that was one hell of a good season a good way to end it and we'll uh we'll have many more stories to come